Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Hot Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. On the agenda today, we're going to be discussing transfers and also Tottenham's 1-0 FA Cup win over Burnley on Friday night. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, you good? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I do feel we've kind of coordinated for those not watching uh, on YouTube with the kind of grey uh, hoodie tops. Um, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. But uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Um, transfer stuff suddenly feels like it's kicked off, uh, which is great because it, you know, Spurs had to do some early stuff uh, in the window and it kind of feels like now we're things are getting warmed up and certainly a new arrival within probably the next 48 hours and we're hoping another one as well to come afterwards and then uh, and then it kind of makes the rest of the transfer window quite interesting um, because Spurs would be in the rare position of actually having got some priority stuff done early in the January window. Um, but yeah, gives us loads to talk about today as well as getting through in the FA Cup to the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the transfer window, it has been a really quiet start to the window. This is in terms of the Premier League and not just Spurs, but things, you know, sprung into life on Saturday uh, with Spurs. And safe to say, a uh, bit of a shock uh, with the news of Timo Werner uh, looking very likely to be joining Spurs on a season-long loan deal from RB Leipzig. <coughs> uh, there's going to be... A clause in there as well. Uh, looks like they're going to have the option to purchase him at the end of the season. I think everyone knows about the struggles Werner had during his two seasons at Chelsea. So he certainly raised some eyebrows, but I think this is a player who has all the attributes who, to be a hit in Andrew Postacoglu's Tottenham team. What was your first thought when you heard the news? I thought a good deal. Uh, oh. Yeah. I, I I'm think... impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah, I think a lot of people are probably thinking, well, no, not a good deal given what happened for him at Chelsea, but I, I think it's a good deal. It's one of these, it's uh, no risk, high reward. And I think when you were looking at the options on the left wing, I think Jota was the name everyone was talking about. And Jota, let's be honest, he's had a couple of good seasons in Scotland, but it's a big step up from Scotland to the Premier League and I think it had a handful of games for Benfica hasn't played much in Saudi Arabia obviously because he wasn't registered in their league squad so I think when you're comparing Werner and Jota for me I think Werner's the better option yeah I, you know I'm going to be completely honest cards on the table as we always tried to be um, when I first heard it was Timo Werner and obviously how advanced it suddenly was I was a bit like what <laughs> really that guy um it was one of those where i kind of i think i kind of looked at or or remembered the kind of the high profile nature of the misses that he'd had at chelsea and kind of the flop tag he'd had but as always as we tried to do when i kind of drilled down into it a little bit you do like you say um oh just literally as we're doing this uh podcast ashley phillips is headed out on loan to plymouth argyle um, for the remainder of the season. That's quite a big indicator as well that Spurs looking to get um, uh, a loan, uh, a defender in quickly through the doors as well, that they've actually allowed him to head out and get some uh, first-team football. That's uh, 
Yeah, interesting one, that one. Um, but we'll discuss that in a moment. We were, we were going to talk about all the potential outs and loan ones, and I must admit, Ashley Phillips was one I was kind of umming and ahhing over whether they would actually allow to go out. So, uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. But sorry, back to Timo Werner. That's thrown me slightly seeing that coming mid-recording. Um, when you drill down into it, past the kind of the headline stuff, actually he fits uh, Postacoglu's system really well. And you can kind of understand why Postacoglu has been, from what I understand, quite instrumental in trying to get this deal to go through. And it sounds certainly from the German side of things, uh, they, they seem to be talking about a conversation he's had with Werner as well and talking about how where he would fit into his team. And from the sounds of it, from that end of things, you know, Timo Werner probably wasn't too initially excited about the prospect of coming back to the Premier League because of what happened and and the way he was perceived. But obviously, whatever magic words Postacoglu has come out with, as he often does in these situations, um, he's, you know, he's convinced Werner. And and let's be honest, the guy is incredibly fast. He's got energy, uh, work rate. He'll press from the front. Um, he'll cause problems, even if, you know, there's a perception that in the final third, perhaps not as deadly since he'd left Leipzig the first time as he could be. But actually, do you know what? His numbers, uh, when you look at them, his numbers for Chelsea are not as bad as you'd kind of imagine. 23 goals and 21 assists in 89 appearances. It's almost like a goal involvement every other game. It's really not as bad as kind of everything was made out to be. Um, I think it's because he was so prolific at Leipzig before he went there. I mean, that last season, I looked it up, 34 goals in 45 matches and 13 assists as well in that 2019-20 season. He was a goal machine. So I can understand, absolutely. Um, and like I say, that was what kind of guided my first response. But yeah, looking into it and the way he fits, the fact that he's can predominantly play on the left but can play through the middle but also can do a job on the right, it's exactly what we said Spurs were looking for, a versatile forward that can play across the front three. Um, and yeah, he's uh, he really can fit exactly what Postacoglu wants. And within the system that Postacoglu plays, probably should get the best out of him. And I was thinking about this, you know, and I'm not saying that this will be the front three, because obviously you've got the likes of Kudusevsky and Richarlison there as well. But if, if you were to play a front three of Werner, um, Son and Brennan Johnson, that might just be the fastest front three the Premier League has ever seen. It would be remarkable. Um, so, yeah, I think, like you say, it's a no-brainer. I think as another option to have in that squad, um, I think the way I always look at it is in the last match, would this player have made a difference had they come off the bench or been involved? And had he come off the bench against Burnley, I think he would have made a huge impact in that FA Cup match. You looked at the options on the bench. And with no disrespect to um, Brian Hill, because I do think he's a very talented player, still have my doubts perhaps about the physicality of it all for him. But Timo Werner would have been the first name to come off that bench um, and he would have changed the game. Um, he, you know, Let's be honest, by the sounds of it, from what the noises of Mario Gomez, who I didn't actually realise is now the technical director at Leipzig. You know, he's only 38. I would have thought he'd still be playing somewhere. Um yeah, he was saying, I think it was yesterday to one of the German TV channels that, uh, from what he understands, Spurs are going to have offered him really regular football, Timo Werner, which suggests, yeah, he's going to be right in the mix there, especially with Sonny away this month to uh, to make a big impact for Spurs. So, yeah, I, I can understand it. He is exactly like you say. It really is kind of low risk, high reward. Um, and if he's a massive success... Uh, success the um the fee that seems to be there's a couple of different fees but it seems to be around the 15.5 million pound mark um which let's be honest if he has a cracking half a season that's a bargain deal and if he doesn't it goes back to leipzig and he just was an extra body in the squad in a weakened squad hopefully it's the former yeah, I know everyone's going to mention his struggles at Chelsea, but he did help them win the Champions League final in 2021. And when you look at his goals over the two seasons, it was double figures in both. And yeah, he's, the misses are obviously well documented in big games as well. But I think when you dig a bit deeper and have a look at what his teammates said about him. They all valued his contribution. He might not have been scoring week in, week out, as you'd expect from you know Chelsea's main frontman. 
but he was still playing a part in others, you know, scoring goals in the front three or whatever they played working. So there's no reason why he can't be a big success at Spurs. And, you know, those two years at Chelsea and those struggles might help him, might make him a better player. Uh, so... And He's the very thing, experienced, what, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. You know, he did help him win the Champions League as well. He was quite instrumental in that that season. Yeah, and I think for Werner, what he also needs is a big end to the season because uh, he'll still have his eyes on a spot in the Germany squad for Euro 2024. I think so that's he, key to this deal, isn't Yeah, it? yeah. He needs that game time to make sure he's part of uh, the squad for the tournament in his home country. And I just think having Ange Postacoglu as his manager is only going to help him because everyone knows about Ange's man management skills. He makes every player better. I mean, we've all seen the team talks when he was Australian manager and every, everyone basically said like they were just ready to go to war right then, even though the kickoff was like hours and hours away. So, I mean, just imagine what that can do for Werner. Ange can build him up to all new levels and he'll be, you know, intent on, you know, proving people wrong and making his name in the Premier League. And I think it can be a really, really uh, good deal for Spurs. And I think, I know a lot of people might be turning the nose up at uh, Werner coming in, but Ange knows firsthand what Werner can do because RB Leipzig last season were in Celtic's Champions League group and they played them match day three, they lost, Celtic lost 3-1 in Leipzig and then match day four, they were at Celtic Park. Leipzig won 2-0, Werner scored a really good header and then assisted Emil Forsberg uh, for their goal a few minutes from time and it was one of these, just watching the highlights back, Celtic dominated that game, the amount of chances they had but then they had, Leipzig had someone of Werner's quality who could, you know, kill the game and so Andrew said a number of times he always remembers Sonny's contribution in that Gold Cup game when he was Australian manager. And I think yeah. in key games in his career, because this was a big one for Celtic, they needed to win this to have a chance of going through. He's going to remember what Werner did. And Werner plays down the left, so he played down Andrew's touchline uh, right in front of the dugout. So he's going to know what Werner can bring to Spurs. And I think it can be a really, really good deal for the football club. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... People probably kind of want, if you're wondering how he has been doing kind of numbers wise since then, he actually did have a decent season uh, last year. After going back to kind of Germany for Leipzig, he had 22 goal involvements in 40 matches last season, 16 goals and six assists, which is no mean feat. That's fine. This season, less so. Um, He had an adductor injury, which kind of really fragmented right in the middle of this half of the season, which didn't help him. It just kind of seems like he's fallen out of favour a bit there. I think he only's made two starts in the Bundesliga. Uh, scored two goals, one in one of those starts, one in another substitute appearance. Um, but yeah, he's a kind of a, a player that clearly kind of needs a bit of a, a fresh start and a challenge. Um, and like you say, Postacoglu doesn't forget a face or someone that's done something kind of good against him. I actually, likewise, not, not that it matters whether I remember him, but... Spurs playing Leipzig in the Champions League all those years back under Mourinho. My goodness, he was just one of the huge threats. He just really was. I think he scored as well, didn't he? Was it the home? He game? scored. Was it a penalty he scored? In Might the first have been, game? Yeah. He definitely scored the winner at Spurs. Yeah. And he's just, it's just, it's one of those kind of, it's a classic, let's be honest, it's a classic Spurs deal in that there's so much potential to it. There's plenty you could say about it if you want to be, you know, critical. You could say, like, you know, someone might claim, oh, they've they've sold Kane to Germany and they've brought back Timo Werner on loan, kind of thing, a guy that didn't make it at Chelsea. Yeah, of course, I, I can understand where that would come from. But I think, as and we've said this so many times, that sometimes opportunities just arise in the January window. It it's really is the window for that. And for a player that Postacoglu is kind of keen on bringing in to become available for, on loan, with a terrific price at the end of it all, um, that really is, it is, it is. I hate to keep using the word the words no-brainer, but it kind of is. Um, and like you say, I think you were spot on about Jota. Jota's the unknown quantity. Um, you know, some might say, oh yeah, but 
um, Werner's come to the Premier League before and he, and he wasn't good enough. But like I say, those stats I've read, if he can even come up with a direct and goal involvement for Spurs in every other game, that's a plus to Spurs on loan. For the, you know, even just that as a base would be a help to Spurs going forward. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I think it could be a really good deal. And if you get any kind of anything like the original Timo Werner, if Postacoglu can kind of unlock that version of him, it could be a, one of the bargains of January. But, um, yeah, but not to get too carried away, but we'll see. Um, I'm still trying to get my head around the Ashley Phillips thing, which is just kind of feels like it it hints towards something, doesn't it? It really does. I don't think you make that move. I mean, should we, we might as well just go straight into that now, to be honest, because it is kind of, I know it's not breaking for anyone listening to this right now, but for us, it kind of is. And, and just to react straight off the, the top of my head, you don't send out probably the next centre-back in line to come into the team unless you're confident someone is coming through those doors, do you? No, not unless you're stupid or daft. <laughs> then maybe you do well, you, that, but no. I mean, you could argue Davinson Sanchez went out, didn't he? I suppose they were in a slightly better position then, injury-wise. True, but I mean, at least this is January January the 8th, and it does give Spurs plenty of time to bring in uh, a replacement for Phillips. But obviously with the talk on Friday, uh, ahead of the Burnley game, all that speculation about Eric Dyer going to Bayern Munich, he could be another one-making way. Mm. But in terms of Phillips, I think there's probably been a couple of opportunities when you think, yeah, he might get a game here, but Postacoglu has resisted that temptation of playing him. And as good... uh, as a player as he is, because uh, obviously Spurs have seen something in him from his uh, short time at Blackburn in the first team last season. He needs to be playing as good yeah. as it is for him to be, you know, developing on the training pitch, playing against the likes of Son, then Kulisewski, day in, day out. He needs regular first team football. And I think a move to Plymouth uh, should do him the world of good. But as you said, it does kind of hint that there's going to be some movement, hopefully in terms of incomings uh, defensively. Yeah, I mean, you know, we know the name. We're not dancing around it. Radu Dragasin, of course, is the one that feels like it's the object of Spurs' affections right now. Jean-Claire uh, Todibo, I think we always said from the start that it's going to be such a difficult deal to try and do in January with them Nice in the title race. I don't know what team on earth would let go of that one of their best kind of young players in the midst of a title race. So Dragasin made a, a lot more sense. I think the problem really is, is for Spurs is that Spurs want to do that deal quickly. Genoa have no need to do that deal quickly whatsoever. That's the problem with it in that, you know, they're quite happy to keep hold of him. They're not desperate to sell him or anything. And I guess the longer it goes on, the more teams come into it. You know, we've already had Napoli, throwing players plus money at them. Uh, AC Milan apparently got similar kind of ideas. Bayern Munich now we've had kind of emerged today as he, they're potentially interested in him as well, which kind of you'd think Spurs will be going, sign Eric Dyer <laughs> and I thrown him across to Germany quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, from what I understand, and this has been the case, is that Dragerson is keen on the Premier League move. That's the... Yeah, it's such a cliche, but it is a dream of so many players to play in the Premier League. We kind of take it almost for granted just how huge the Premier League is to players from other countries because it is, it, let's be honest, it's the most watched um, league in the world, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. I, th- I don't yeah, think I'm yeah, just wildly throwing that out there. Um, and it, no, it, look, if I'm Radu Dragerson, I'm thinking, uh, I'm asking, so, so sorry, what would my first match be? It would be, oh, it would be Tottenham Hotspur against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Is that, you can't really get many bigger games than that. And that that in itself is just a draw. Um, and especially with the injuries that Spurs have had and selection issues, you know, he's probably going to get as regular game time as any of the other clubs that, well, actually Bayern, he probably wouldn't be a regular kind of starter there, perhaps. Um so, yeah, kind of this talk about, oh, Napoli could uh, give him first-team football every week in, week out. I actually think if he comes into the Spurs team, plays well, Postacoglu is the type that's not going to just chuck him straight out of the team. I think whoever comes back, obviously, it'd probably be Romero, would have to kind of work his way back in there. I genuinely think that. I think uh, as big a player as he's been, Romero, if Postacoglu has Van der Ven and Dragerson playing very well together, he's not going to just break that up for the sake of anyone coming back. 
um, which is a you know a great thing about his management. But yeah, with Dragasin, of course, as it always is with Spurs deals, it's about the difference in the valuations, and that's the bit, the little bit they've got to bridge. Um, but honestly, that feels to me, Ashley Phillips going out there feels like the biggest indication yet that Spurs are confident ahead of the United game, at least, that they're going to get somewhere with uh, with this deal. I mean, there's, I've seen other little links to other players as backups. Is it, I'm going to murder the pronunciation of his name, is it Loic Barde, the Sil- uh, Sevilla defender? Um, uh, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. sounds, no, it sounds about right. I think so. I'd like to think that's close enough. Um, I know I saw him linked, not massively linked, um, and it was for a price tag that was actually more than Dragerson would probably cost them. So I'm always a bit wary when I see stuff like that because I only imagine Spurs would go elsewhere if if it was a better deal. But um, yeah, this kind of suggests to me that Dragerson is a... Well, hopefully... Hopefully they've got more confidence about it. It feels like one of those classic Spurs deals where they've had an indication from the player that they're his preferred kind of destination. And then it's the classic, okay then, so he wants to come to us. Doesn't matter who else you get in. You're going to have to give him to us for the price we want. But, you know, as we know, they can't really play that long game this time around because Postacoglu has been very public about needing that centre-back in this quickly. And let's be honest, the Ben Davies injuries has absolutely stuffed him as well. As I say, I feel like every week we do this podcast, there's a new injury to talk about. Was it Valise last week? This week it's yeah. um, uh, Ben Davies. Every time they get someone back, it's like the footballing gods go, no, sorry, we're going to have to do a deal here. You can only have someone come back if we take at least one or two players off you. Um, oh, it's just madness. So, yeah, suddenly going, he could have gone into the United game and thinking, Okay, maybe we can kind of get through it with, let's say, Van der Ven and Ben Davies. You know, obviously two left footers, but one of them could have played probably probably Van der Ven, you'd imagine, on the right. Now, if they can't get someone in ahead of that, it's probably likely to be Emerson, isn't it? Who did who was very good again against Burnley. I've got to give him absolute credit. He's done very, very well as a centre back. Actually, this week he said that he might that might be one of his official new positions going forward, you know, because he feels he's really kind of uh, adapted to it quite well. And he has, to be fair to him. Um, but let's be honest, if you're Postacoglu, you, you would more likely want two natural centre-backs to be in there. So, uh, yeah, that's fascinating to me, the Ashley Phillips uh, move coming exactly when it does. This Monday, this early in the week, it really suggests a little bit of confidence there behind the scenes. Yeah, hopefully this is the week a deal for Dragerson gets over the line. We don't line. Have on. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> uh, because it's a big game against Manchester United. Uh, Spurs have a chance, given the Premier League, this match they round splits in two because of the winter break. So Arsenal and Liverpool are playing the following week. So it's a chance, you know, to, you know, strengthen Spurs' top four aspirations. And, uh, you know, put themselves firmly in the mix uh, for the top four. And I think getting Dragerson in, you know, it, it needs to happen, really. And what we've seen from Ange previously, Dragerson could come in, I don't know, Thursday, maybe Friday. He could quite easily throw him into the team at Old Trafford oh. because he did similar with Mickey van der Ven at yeah. Brentford. So it's one of these where you, you don't need maybe a lot of time on the training pitch if Ange feels the player's ready. He will put them in the team. Uh, yeah, I think no one expected an attacking player to come in before <laughs> a centre back. It's mad, but yeah, this is the week it really needs to happen uh, with Dragerson, especially with Ben Davies picking up an injury now. Ashley Phillips go in. We don't know what's going to happen with Eric Dyer over the course of this week. Whether he goes, that might drag on. Uh, a bit longer, but yeah, I think it's just one of these now. What we're eight days into January, Spurs fans are just you know, probably sick of this now. They just want this deal over the line. Well, this is the weird thing about the Timo Werner deal is that from everything we understand, it just suddenly they approached Leipzig, and within you know 12 to 24 hours, every much everything was pretty much in yeah. principle agreed. And it's like, well, why, why was that so easy? Like, why, I guess it was just the nature of it, isn't it? It was a player who wasn't playing as frequently for Leipzig, who Leipzig were happy to let go, 
fitted the need for Spurs, get it done. Um, whereas I suppose, like I say, with, with Dragerson, he's playing week in, week out. Um, and there's no need for Genoa to, to get him out that door straight away. Um, but yes, but Spurs do need him. And if that means they're going to have to pay slightly more than they'd be happy to normally pay, they're just going to have to get it done. Um, you know, 21 years old. Let's be honest. That's one for the future. That's one for the long term and the present. Um, I think, again, we're going to use the expression no-brainer again. But if if you, you know, if it costs you a couple of extra million pounds, not that it's my money, so <laughs> I'm absolutely fine with saying they should spend it. But if you're going to spend it on anyone in your Tottenham Hotspur, normally they will do it on a younger player with a really long career path ahead of him. And that's exactly what Drog- uh, Dragerson has. Um, I mean, it's mad. You know, Ashley Phillips heading out on loan. He's 18. Now, Dragerson's only three years older. That I mean, like you say, if, if he comes straight in, let's say, uh, and if, if he signs and they play him alongside Van der Ven, it's a 21 and a 22-year-old playing in the centre defence against Man United with a, what is he, 20-year-old Destiny Doggy on the left-hand side. I mean, Porro's like an old man at like 23 <laughs> or whatever he is. Um, oh, that would be, that's got to be up there. That would have to be up there with the youngest defensive Spurs has ever put out in a Premier League game, surely. That would be incredible. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be very young. I've got an example of that before. It's not to do with Spurs, but York City years ago, Jackie McNamara yeah. came in as manager just got rid of all the experienced defenders and just signed like 18-year-olds on loan and just played them <laughs> straight away. Wow. I think they lost like 5-0 or something. So, well, well, yeah. Thanks for that. You didn't have to add that on the end of it. You could have kept it the happy note. I didn't think we were going to have a York City reference today. Yeah. That was very impressive. There you go. There yeah. you go. Right. Do you want to know about foreign player numbers, given all the... Oh, yeah, go on. You love it. Radu Dragerson talk. Right. I was having a look at the numbers yesterday, and with Werner coming in and Sergio Reggion coming back uh, to the club from his loan spell at Manchester United, Spurs have 18 foreign players. So that's one over the limit of 17. With Jed Spence coming back, they are on nine homegrown players. Uh, And obviously, if you've got 17, then it's eight homegrown players to make up that 25-man squad. So there certainly needs to be a bit of movement in that if Dragerson's coming in as well. But when you're looking at the uh, non-homegrown numbers, uh, obviously, Eric Dyer could go. Sergio Reggion likely to go. Uh, even Perisic, if he's not going to be playing again for Tottenham, as yeah. Ange Postacoglu alluded to uh, ahead of the Burnley match, whether he goes to High Duck Split or not, if he's not going to play, you don't need to register him. Right. So I suppose there's probably maybe others who could move on. Brian Hill now, depending. Uh, what Ange thinks, especially because you've got Werner and Son as options from the left, so that could limit his play, playing time. Uh, when I saw the Loic Bardi stuff, I immediately thought, oh, does that mean that Brian Hill goes there? They sort out some kind of yeah. deal. Um, but yeah, I, I do worry for Brian Hill in terms of game time. You would imagine Werner coming in on that side that's probably his more favoured side as well. I think that game time is going to dry up, isn't it? Yeah, so, you know, as things stand, Spurs probably are going to be over. The limit's on yeah. both, but there's, what, another three, three and a half weeks or so to sort that out. And I think it's it's, it's usually the case. Uh, start of February, once the transfer window's closed for business, that's when you issue an updated 25-man squad for the Premier League. So it's not like in years gone past where Spurs are going to be well over the limit. There's going to be players here who they can move on or not register. Saying that they can't bring Tongi and Demele back and putting them in the midfield. Well, they could do if they want. What? And then don't <laughs> register Benton Kerr or someone like that instead. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not the way to go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Do you know what? Genuinely, I know we joke about the whole homegrown player thing and, and uh, kind of how it's our kind of slightly dweeby, nerdy thing that we like looking at. But actually, we do get people ask us all the time. Yeah. I, honestly, I'm always getting tweets about kind of what's the homegrown situation because everyone forgets about it. Everyone kind of just thinks, oh, you know, 
it's uh, sign this player, sign this player. Let's sign 27 different foreigners on top of what we've got. And it just doesn't work like that. There's very kind of strict rules and regulations that I'll always remember poor Juan Foy having to ask, uh, I think it was, was it Pochettino and Mourinho or just Pochettino? It was certainly Pochettino had to leave him out. Um, it might have been Jose as well. Yeah, I feel like been. I remember asking them both about it because it felt like deja vu. Um, yeah, poor guy. And he'd actually been playing quite well and then get had to be told, oh, by the way, you're not going to play in the Champions League anymore. Um, but obviously, you know, if you've got Premier League issues, it's even bigger for you. Um, you know, you have certain situations where, I mean, like Danny Rose was left out for the entire season, wasn't he? He wasn't even yeah. registered. Um, and... I mean, I know they registered Hugo Lloris, but he was never seriously going to play, was he? So, uh, yeah, we'll um, we'll see what the, the coming weeks brings in that regard. But, I mean, I suppose we can go straight on to those. The, the, those lone players you just mentioned coming back, um, Sergio Reguilon and Jed Spence, what do you feel the future holds for them? I think the future's away from Spurs. Uh, I think Spurs are in this position now where if they play one of Reguilon, and Spence, then they can't go out on loan because they'll have played for already played for two different clubs uh, this season, and the limit is two. So, yeah, I, I don't see a future for them, especially because Ange let them go in the first place anyway. So it was quite clear to see back in August that there weren't, you know, part of his thinking going forward. Uh, interesting though, in terms of Reggion now because Ben Davis is injured. And obviously Ben Davis is cover for Destiny, but then you've got Ryan Sessignon yeah. as well. Emerson can play left back. So there there are options there, but no, I think both will be uh, on the way. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Ryan Sessignon's unexpected not unexpected, but um unexpected in terms of we didn't expect him to suddenly be in the squad on Friday night, but we knew he was kind of roughly on the way back. But I think his return just gives Ange that little bit of breathing space down the left, pretty pretty much across the left flank. Because if you think of it, if I know he wants to have a decent look at Ryan Sessegnon uh, this month, and obviously we'll, we'll see whether there's a loan deal to be had there. But for now, with Davies out, Sess can cover that kind of Udogi's backup role. And also, if you're struggling down the left wing, we know that he can also play there and he's a guy that can get to the byline and put crosses in as well. He actually had quite a little bright cameo against Burnley. Um, you know, could have scored a goal as well, but for a quite a good save from the keeper. Um, yeah, Regulon. Uh, I watched him, obviously, in pre-season in the Postacoglu system and it didn't bring out a different Regulon to what we've seen before in terms of Lots of um, lots of reasonable stuff going forward, but at the back was just it was just horrendous. He just didn't fit the high line system well at all, um, and especially kind of having to come in as a number ten. And to be honest, everyone that kind of covers Man United have told me he was no different for them. Some nice little moments going forward, but at the back you didn't know what he was going to do one minute to the next. Um, so for him. I think that was probably always expected to be a half-season loan move. I don't think anyone's surprised at Spurs that he's come back. I would say there's a little bit more su surprise about Jed Spence coming back. Um, obviously, having read the quotes from um, Daniel Fark, it's very disappointing. It's kind of like, uh, it felt so reminiscent of the Marcus Edwards quotes that Fark did at Norwich in 2018 of just someone clearly not doing enough on and off the pitch, you know, in terms of making the most of their talent. And unfortunately, just this feels like this is the thing with Jed right now. Um, he's now had a run of managers who have all kind of looked elsewhere and not really wanted to use him. I mean, you're looking at Ange. I mean, in pre-season, Ange had him training with what, unfortunately, we called the bomb squad out there in terms of the players that we knew were getting bombed out. Um although technically some of them didn't. Uh, Eric Dyer was one of them. There was Joe Roden. There was Harvey White who left. Um, and yeah, and, and Jed Spence was one of them as well. And you just kind of knew they were just clearly not part of the plans. They Even in open training, they weren't involved in the 11 v 11 games. So 
you've got Postacoglu not really been interested in him. Um, at Wren, he was there at the start purely because of injuries. As soon as their two right-backs came back, straight out of the squad, and then he got a knee injury, came back. That's another team where he wasn't, when everyone was available, an option. Uh, Conte, obviously, quite infamously. Oh, I still remember the moment in South Korea when it hadn't even been announced yet and he just brought up Jed Spence and he just said those infamous words. Yes, the club wanted to sign him. I was like, no, no, you've absolutely done him before he's even arrived. There was him. There's obviously infamously Neil Warnock as well. We've seen that photo in the changing room, which was just one of those things that's probably going to haunt him for the rest of his career. Uh, Chris Wilder didn't seem to be particularly interested in him either at um, Middlesbrough, did he? That was why he ended up kind of uh, heading off to Forest and then not really having a future at Middlesbrough when he came back from Forest. Probably the one manager is Steve Cooper that you feel has probably got the best out of him. And I do wonder if wherever he ends up, Spurs will be very closely looking at, like, please, please take Jed, because right now, I think a lot of clubs will be looking at that run of managers that haven't wanted him and probably thought, well, why should we? Why should we take a chance on him? Um, It's such a shame, because there's clearly talent there. Um, It's clearly got something about him, but just something about the other side to his game, the mental aspect that you need um, just doesn't seem to be there. Um, that that need, that desire to prove yourself um, against you know the competition that you've got for your spot. Massive shame. Um, personally, I, I would love to see what exactly what happens with Marcus Edwards. Marcus Edwards went off abroad. Um, I guess had different people around him, fresh uh, surroundings. Uh, had a really good second half to his loan in Excelsior Rotterdam. Uh, that kind of set him up nicely as a more kind of a player that could adapt to a different country. Obviously, went to Portugal and the rest of his history. He's made a really good career for himself. And uh, maybe, I know he's already been at Wren, but maybe like a full season loan somewhere abroad might be a good one for Jed. Um, maybe go somewhere for these six months and be a big success. And yeah, just uh, kind of get himself back in the, in the picture again um, in terms of being a player. That, that clubs will be kind of excited about having because I think you and I both felt Leeds was a great move for him. And from what I understand, it kind of had to be talked into that move, which I just feel was mad because that was something that, you know, was a great move. Um, but didn't happen. Didn't work uh, for him. And, and he's back, you know. You'd think you'd look at Joe Roden, who's gone there, has accepted the fact that he's had to take a step down and he is smashing it. And he knows he's probably going to be a Premier League player next season, whether it's at Leeds or not. And that's kind of exactly what Jed Spence needs to do. He just needs to maybe accept that he needs to take a step down in order to take a couple of steps forward later on. Yeah, I think Walnick pretty much summed it up perfectly, didn't he? A couple of years ago, I think basically saying Jed Spence will either be a Premier League player or a was it non-league play in five yeah. years. It's literally, it's up to him. And the thing, ever since that picture, after the, the Forest playoff final win, yeah. he's probably played, what, less than 20 games? Probably yeah. made about six appearances in his half season at Spurs. Similar numbers at Wren. I think it was about seven games at Leeds. And he just started, it looked like his lead spell was, you know, getting up and running after that injury he'd started five successive games played some of his football at left back what's a bit of a strange position for him given his right-sided and then it was just such a, a shock last Thursday night when the news came through that obviously Spence was returning uh, to Tottenham and he's in such a privileged position what people would you know kill for to be a professional footballer and it's one of these you don't throw it away you've got all the attributes to be one really really good player and it's literally down to him and he just needs a low move he needs to be playing regularly and then see what happens after that but i think everyone had high hopes for him didn't they when he signed for spurs given how well he excelled in the championship with forest and it's just not worked out at all and unfortunately it looks like his future is well away from uh, tottenham hotspur stadium I, I know it's such a silly thing and people will think you can't, we're harping on about it, but but that photo, oh, honestly, yeah. if you could go back in time and everyone around him just say, don't do it. 
because I just, as you're talking, I just wanted to kind of refresh my memory of the photo itself. And it is, it's sat there with a cigar in his mouth. It itself is a stupid, just a dumb look for a footballer. And just the whole nature of it, it's this kind of idea of, ha, huh, proved you wrong kind of thing. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's almost was kind of setting himself. I know it shows extreme confidence in himself, which I guess is a good thing, but it was setting himself up for a fall if whatever came next wasn't a success. And that's exactly what's happened. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Neil Warnock has lost lots of sleep at night, you know, <laughs> thinking about the burn that he got from um, Jed Spence. So, yeah, I don't know. He just, just needs some, some good advice, I think. And just to listen to that advice you know he may well have been getting very good advice before but perhaps wasn't listening to it i don't know but uh yeah such a shame because we had such high hopes for him as well but uh hopefully make something of himself going forward yeah very much so right as we're i think more than halfway through today's pod ali do i let everyone know about the benefits of using nordvpn of course, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world and that means there's no buffering, no lagging and you can stream your favourite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. As any regular listener will know, I've done this so many times, so many times I've gone to various countries, whether it's through work, on holiday, and I've been able to switch my device to thinking it's back home in England so that I can watch all the things I pay for and subscribe back home. Or sometimes it's allowed me to watch things from other countries that I've wanted to watch or, or you know, maybe even watching a Spurs game that might be on a channel elsewhere in the world and, and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, and also security-wise, you know, it is a help towards trying to keep out those nasty types that might on a public wi-fi try to get into your device so not only that the outlay on a nordvpn subscription is cheaper for you in the long run that's because you could purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate a rate so for example you could book a flight from another country by setting your device to thinking it's in that country and it could be cheaper that way so it means you're paying out for nord but you're saving money overall there's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to nordvpn so why not give it a go you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. It's just popped into my head. I was just going to ask you, what, what number do you think Werner's going to get? Uh, I've, <laughs> I've thrown I've, that I've one not, at you, haven't I? I've not really looked. Uh, he I'll tell you what his favourite one doesn't he? 11. He wears 11. He's previously worn 19. So obviously, Brian Hill and Ryan Sessegnon's yeah. numbers. Um, there's not a lot else free. I can't imagine he's going to want to be number one or two. <laughs> that would be a bit weird. Although Clint Dempsey was number two once. Um, number six, you would think, will become whoever the centre back that comes yeah. in. We'll get that. And then you're kind of, I think, 16 is available. That's a potential. Maybe Perisic. Dan Jumawa. Last year, 16. Yes, yes, I think yeah. he did. Perisic might give up his 14. Um, perhaps that's one. Um, 26 is technically free, but I think there's this unofficial Ledley King kind of almost retired, but not the jersey. I think, wasn't there some kind of quote that Daniel Levy said that his son one day might want to wear it, so he didn't want to retire it completely? Something like that. Right, okay. Um, um, which, yeah, I, I kind of I was looking at yesterday. And then, obviously, you've got certain numbers in the 30s and onwards. Um, Go with yeah. 16. It's got a one in if he wears 11. It's got a one in, yeah. favourite number. Go with that. Uh, unless Ryan Hill goes, I think probably 16 is the likely one, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, well, I think Brian Hill would have to go this week, wouldn't he, for Werner to get his wish. Yes, so. true. Yeah, let's wait and see. Let's wait until he signs <laughs> on the dotted line and hurls up that shirt. But yeah, 16, it could well be. Right, let's move on to Friday's 1-0 win over Burnley. Uh, rather than starting with the match, we'll talk about something what happened in Ange Postacoglu's press conference as it is transfer-related and it is regarding the future of Eric Dyer. Obviously, Following uh, the news of Ben Davis' injury, which Ange alluded to in his post-match press conference, he was asked straight, if Ben Davis is injured, can you afford to lose Eric Dyer? And he 
one word, yes. And what what was also uh, notable in Andrew's press conference, do not question his integrity. Honestly, probably, I know we kind of said in the last couple that the angriest we'd seen him on the touchline was obviously against Bournemouth when he went absolutely mad at the, the Valise moment. Um, well, with Bournemouth bench more than anything. That was the angriest I've seen him in a press conference. Wow. He uh, was asked, it was really, I think it was awkward phrasing. I don't think the, people have got this kind of obsession at the moment, like, who is the journalist that said that? You know, how dare they? But I honestly genuinely think in this case, it was just an awkward phrasing of the question. He'd asked uh, the journalist about the injury that, Eric Dyer had and then asked about the Bayern uh, links and just the way it was phrased just almost linked it that little bit too much. It was kind of something like along the lines of, uh, but obviously, so, so I think it's something like so, oh, I can't remember. I'm not going to end up paraphrasing and saying the wrong words, but ultimately it linked it a little bit too closely. And the moment he did that, you could see Angie's face just got a rise, like became like this angry bear. And, uh, yeah, to say, yeah, don't question my integrity, you know, and so I wouldn't make it up. And it was a fair comment. He said, why would I need to make it up? You know, I could just say he wasn't available for selection. That's it. There's no need to not to, to kind of make up an injury for him. Um, but yeah, I do wonder about that final answer, the press conference that, you know, uh, can you afford with Ben Davies injury to let him go? Yes. And it was, oh, that is just so brutal. Um, and I wonder whether he said it because he was annoyed about the dire questions, but actually, you know, does, I don't know. I was going to say, does it weaken the Spurs position slightly in getting rid of Dyer because it's so obvious he's got, let's be honest, he's going to play Brian Hill in central defence over Eric Dyer right now, isn't he? And to be fair, Brian Hill made a really good defensive header on Friday night. It was like, honestly, it took me a little moment to compose myself. I was so surprised. And then he found someone in the air at the other end of the pitch. Um, but yeah, he's still not going to play him at centre back. But um, it just shows you how far down the pecking order that he is, um, Eric Dyer. And sorry, there's no pecking order officially. I should state, uh, as I said, there is no pecking order. Um, yeah, that was a it was a fearsome moment, and it was a proper insight into kind of what happens if you cross Postecoglou and if you question anything about his integri- integrity. Um, and and continues to go down the line of thought that we kind of feel among the media pack that he does pick one journalist every presser to have a little bit of a sometimes mostly a jokey pop at but occasionally a little bit more so um yeah it's eric dyer look we know uh he's one of the names on Bayern's list he'd be quite interested in going to Bayern munich it's quite an interesting time for eric dyer as well because he's just about to become a dad for the first time um his wife is uh you know, it's set to give birth. I don't think it's going to be very long either. If it hasn't already happened and we're not aware of it, you know, often sometimes footballers kind of keep these things a little bit uh, behind the scenes, as is their right, of course. Um, but for me, it makes sense for all parties. I think he, for Bayern, it's a good move to show Harry Kane that they're looking to kind of keep him happy as well. This is one of his best mates in football. And let's be honest, whatever people will try and say about Eric Dyer in the Bundesliga, for Bayern Munich, he'll be a very good defender. He'll be absolutely fine in the Bundesliga. Maybe even play defensive midfield for them as well, perhaps. Um, I just think, yeah, for Spurs, it's a player with six months left in his deal. that They'd probably budgeted that they were going to have to pay him for the remaining six months of the deal. This way, they might get a little nominal fee for him um, and get his wages taken over by Bayern. And bearing in mind, they've taken on the wages of um, Timo Werner for the remainder of the season, which I wouldn't imagine will be, you know, insignificant. Um, I think I think it just makes sense on all, on all sides, doesn't it, really? Yeah, I think it'd be a great move for him. I mean, you're not going to turn Bayern Munich down if they come knocking and... You know, he's he's not played a lot at Tottenham uh, this season. Opportunities could be there for him. Uh, at Bayern, whether or not he'll get that week-in, week-out football, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see at the end of the season. But obviously, he might still want to be playing for England in the summer in Germany at the Euros. But 
that might be a bridge too far for him now with the players who've come through over the past season and just whether or not he will play regular Bayern. But I think really good move for him and one you just can't really turn down. I think he just needs a fresh start because it's quite clear he's not in Postacoglu's thinking in terms of these centre-back roles, especially with Emerson, who's traditionally a right-back, getting the nod ahead of him uh, for quite a lot of games recently. So, yeah, I think it's... It's a good move for him and I think Tottenham fans will certainly uh, wish him well because he's been a really, really good servant for the football club coming up to 10 years in N17 and, you know, if you're a bad player, you don't stick around for 10 years. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's all in all going to be a good move for Dyer and it's one, I think all parties will just be hoping it, you know, gets done sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, I should say, even as we're saying this, like the Italian media are kind of claiming that, or well, some some elements of the Italian media are claiming that Bayern Munich are uh, getting closer to Dragosin, <laughs> which would put the cat among the pigeons for so many reasons. It would obviously, it would probably end Dyer's hopes of going to Bayern Munich. And obviously it would be a someone at Spurs are very interested in going elsewhere. It's this is the thing, you know, with us doing this podcast, where it's like things are just happening all the time right now. Um, and things that seem to be heading in a certain direction suddenly aren't. Who knows? It could go full circle and the Spurs might end up getting Todibo. You know, it could end up that they just go back to the original kind of first choice target and that uh, they pay big money for him. Who knows? But yeah, I'm fascinated to see which way this kind of tug of war goes. And Eric Dyer kind of slap bang in the middle of it all um, with. Uh, with his future, Dragerson's future, all kind of linked together in this same thing. Um, yeah, very interesting. Right, let's get into Friday's game against Burnley. Safe to say, uh, not the best of games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, but most importantly, Tottenham went through, I think it's one of these in the Cups, whilst it would be good to see Spurs playing this brilliant eye-catching football that we've seen in the Premier League all that matters is you see place in the next round. It was far from spectacular, but I mean, what a goal from Pedro Porro uh, to, to win the game. That was a goal worthy of winning any game of football. It was absolutely incredible strike from uh, the Spaniard. Fantastic. Amazing. One of those, uh, the game didn't really deserve it. <laughs> to be honest, it was a rubbish game. Um, Burnley played in a way that I really didn't expect. I think having seen them kind of earlier in the season, obviously when Spurs were there, um expected um yeah just more open football more attacking football but they very much sat back and were very organized that they kind of played in a completely different style to what i'd expected um but yeah it just created this game spurs were not great in front of goal they missed on big time and yeah i think it it's the old cliche, it needed something special, something that was of a high quality. I don't think anyone expected that kind of high quality. That was just, we were right behind it in the press box. And the angle, as soon as he left his foot, it's just like, yeah, that, that's going straight in that top corner. Um, and it ends up, I think it goes down as one of the classic FA Cup goals for Spurs. And, you know, they've had some lovely goals in that competition. And I think that one sits very nicely among those classic goals. The fact that he won the ball back himself as well, um, and just just the connection was beautiful. Like, and they're all taking the Mickey out of him, the other Spurs players, because apparently, like, he tries so many of them in training and often misses. Even Brennan Johnson says like he was facing the shot and he just kind of ducked. I think it went over his head. He wasn't expecting the the best, and then turned round and it had flown in the top corner. Uh, Vicario, Guillermo Vicario's reaction is excellent. He's like just kind of shocked at the the way it went in and just kind of, you know, he's doing something with his hand as if to say, like, kind of, what a strike. Um, yeah, terrific goal. And his first goal of the season. It feels like he's had a million opportunities. He's hit the woodwork a few times, but, hey, if you're going to break your duck for the season some way, do it that way. But uh, it's just kind of a nice um, reward, I guess, for everything he's done this season because he's been terrific, Pedro Porro. He has, he has. All his goals for Tottenham so far have been fantastic. That first one at yeah. Southampton, really good finish against Manchester United, then away at Leeds on the final day of the season. And you know, when you've got a player of that quality who can strike a ball like that, 
you know, it is probably a bit of a surprise that is his first of the season, but hopefully there will be uh, a few more to follow. In terms of the team, Ange Patel, I think he set his stall quite clearly in terms of how he views the FA Cup. I think Tottenham fans probably went into the game, you know, not sure exactly how uh, how we'd feel the team because in the previous competition in the Carabao Cup at the end of August against Fulham made wholesale changes. Spurs obviously went out on penalties. So I think probably Spurs fans are probably a tad fearful of maybe too many alterations, especially for a competition that they've got a really good shot of winning uh, this year. But no, strongest team he possibly could. And really, really good to see Rodrigo Bentecourt wearing the captain's armband. I think ahead of the game, we were probably thinking maybe Ben Davis or Guillermo Vicario. But I think the decision to award the armband to Benteke just shows how, you know, highly he's valued by Ange Postacoglu. And let's be honest, Benteke's not had much time on the training pitch since Ange's arrival just because of those injuries. Yeah, he... he... Yeah, that's true. I mean, Benteke, he looked... He looked better than he did in the previous game, definitely. Yeah. Um, he still is nowhere near the Rodrigo Bentancur. I mean, even for that half hour against Villa that we saw, that was he was just yeah. dominant. Um, he, he's not quite there yet. But yeah, I, I thought the captaincy was a nice touch. I did. I thought it was uh, a reward for everything he's been through. He called him a warrior, and he is. Um, yeah, Bentancur was good. It, it, it solid, I think is probably the way to to put it. I would have maybe liked to see more from him in an attacking sense, like we saw against Villa, where he was, you know, we talk about Porro. He, he did. He set up Porro for a big chance in that game, and that's kind of why there's a part of me that feels like when Basuma comes back and gets in that number six role, I think Benteke as a number eight is going to be really good. Yeah. Um, I really think he'll be excellent in that position. Um, yeah, yeah, good to see Benson go back. Obviously, we said last week it's a surprise to kind of have him back this early. It solves a lot of issues. I think he was going to go into this month with as long as he can stay fit with uh Sarah and Basuma being away, um, and potentially opens the door, of course, for, for Pierre Mohoibier to head off as well if, if a good offer comes in. But uh, yeah, that, that's a major positive, I think, having Benson and the influence he has on the squad in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, definitely. What did you make of Brendan Johnson's performance? Because I thought he played okay, but looking at the reaction on social media, not a lot of Tottenham fans probably uh, agreed with that. And it's been a bit of a difficult one for Brendan in terms of he's a right winger, but he's played a lot of his football on the left so far this season. And he was back on the left wing against Burnley with Dan Kuliskes. Dan Kulaseski playing on the right, but he looked probably the most likely player to score for Spurs because he was the one who had I think, three shots uh, and Murich saved all three of them. But I thought Brennan looked a lot brighter. There were a couple of moments towards the end. There was one heavy touch in the area, one not the ball out of play, and one in the corner where he just miscontrolled it and like backheeled it out of play. But I thought it was more positive than negative, his performance. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Or just as a quick aside, I'm told that Timo Werner's arriving at Spurs this evening. So uh, that'll uh, hopefully get that all sorted tomorrow. Uh, or certainly all of the, the stuff they normally do behind the scenes. Spurs sometimes don't announce it to the next day, but you'd hope maybe it gets tied up tomorrow. Um, yeah, Brennan Johnson. I prefer him on the right. I do. I think the left does uh, maybe dulls slightly the ability to get to the byline and pull the ball back, which he obviously is, well, not even the byline, but just putting those terrific balls with the right that we saw him, Richardson score a couple from. It does give him the opportunity to cut in and shoot. Like you say, we saw a lot of those shots. I think he had six shots, four on target. Um, I think people just got a bit over the top already in the criticism of him. I think he's a 22-year-old player with very little Premier League experience, who has moved to a much bigger club than you know he's been at. Certainly, I know obviously Forrester have won big things in the past, but kind of in recent history, Spurs obviously a, a bigger club. And yeah, he's just kind of finding his place in the team and, and getting his confidence up. And 
and knowing where to be on the pitch in the Postacoglu system. And I actually thought he was the brightest out of all three attackers on the in the front three. I, th- I thought he was the one that looked like he was going to, if any of them break the deadlock, had tested the keeper with a couple of shots. I, I don't, I don't know where this kind of need to to take a pop at him and, and say that he's no good has come from. It's, I mean, is this all we give players now? Is it like a couple of months? Is that is that the maximum? Is it? It just seems mad. From what I you know understand, Postacoglu is a massive kind of fan of his. He thinks he's going to be a terrific young player. There was always the feeling that yes, the price tag was big to get him away from Forest, but it was still the feeling that you're buying a player whose best years are ahead of him. You know, he's not going to come in and be the finished product at, at 22. I mean, even, um, you know, Kudusetsky came in at 21. It felt like he was an amazing finished product, but we're now seeing that, yeah, there's more to it. There's more kind of adaptation and learning and development, of course, when you're that age. And I think with Brendan Johnson, it's it's deciding where his best position is going to be. Is it going to be as a right winger, left winger through the centre? Um, it's, like I say, improving elements of his game that need to improve. But there's the feeling within the club is that he could be absolutely devastating when, as it all comes together, as he clicks and as he develops. And, and you know, obviously the coaching staff are trying to get him, and he admits himself just finishing off some of the attacks as things he, he felt he's, he said in his interviews, he felt he was quite unlucky not to score. But he also said there were some opportunities maybe he could have done better with. Um, yeah, I think if, if you're going to, kind of of the people to try and pick out and criticize I wouldn't say that Brennan Johnson's one of them I really think that he's working incredibly hard trying to get to grips with the defensive side of the game that he has to as well in the Postacoglu system the kind of understanding that you're not going to be a winger all the time um but that you've also got to dovetail with the fullback who's going to come inside as a number 10 at times it's such a different different role to what he's been used to um just let him take it on board. Let him learn. And, you know, there's so many players that had we written them off after a couple of months, you know, they never would have become the players they did. You know, football's littered with players like that. Uh, there's so many of them. The Spurs have had enough of them. I mean, probably Gareth Bale's one of the biggest ones you could probably think of. If Gareth Bale was written off after those something like 21, 24 games, whatever it was, Spurs didn't even win with him in the team. And it's like he went on to be probably the greatest um, or certainly the most successful British player of all time. Um, yeah, so I just don't buy into that. I, I do think it's very social media driven. I don't think anyone in the stadium really kind of had that feeling about him. Um, and yeah, I think he's going to uh, prove to be a real star for Spurs. Yeah, very much so. It was was a really frustrating evening, I think, against uh, Burnley. But I think you've also got to give... Vincent Company's side credit because they were resolute in defence and did frustrate Spurs uh, a number of times. And, you know, thankfully, if it wasn't for Pedro Porra, then we could be talking about uh, an FA Cup replay at Turf Mall next week. And luckily, that's not the case because this is an opportunity coming up for Spurs with the Premier League winter break just for some quality time on the training pitch uh, for Ange Postacoglu and his players. So, whilst there's probably not a lot of positives to take uh, from the win over Burnley. There are still a few. Obviously, one of the main ones, Spurs are in round four. But I think the other positives to take, Ryan Sessignon uh, making his comeback, first appearance for the first time in 11 months. Dane Scarlett getting some minutes after his Ipswich loan spell and Jamie Donnelly getting some more pitch time. Yeah, there were some nice little cameos, I think, late on. Um Jamie Donnelly did really well. It's one of those I kind of I thought at the time, and then I look back and there's some nice little kind of moments. He only touched the ball nine times, but he made one key pass, had one tackle, um, and yeah, just kind of got involved. It was a difficult role um, to put him into, you know, in the midfield three when the the other side are throwing everything at goal trying to get an equaliser. It's not like chucking a guy on up front. He had to do a lot of defensive work as well, and I thought he did really well. Um, yeah, he did well. Dane Scarlett coming back. Dane Scarlett had a chance he could have done better with. He kind of like shanked an effort that ended up hitting a defender and going for a a corner when really he should have got the ball on on target. Yeah, Ryan Sessegnon came on, looked quite bright, looked a little bit rusty in moments. There was one where the ball went out of play, probably could have controlled it better. But he had that chance, he could have scored. Uh, supplied by Brian Hill, who I thought did okay. 
um, looked bright. He always does when he comes on late in games. There's a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of endeavour. Um, sometimes, like I say, he'll bounce off a, a defender or two, but a fair amount of time he does kind of create little openings, and he did that for Sessegnon. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with those players as well, some of those. Uh, obviously, we know Dane's going to be for the rest of the season. Uh, he's going to be there because he's played for two teams already. I understand there's interest from championship teams in Jamie Donnelly, but Spurs at this moment maybe not too keen to let him go, uh, let him develop. Uh, whether that changes as the window goes on, we'll see. But at the moment, there's a feeling that maybe he's better served by learning from those around him. Like I say, we'll see about Brian Hill and, and Ryan Sessegnon. But, uh, I mean, which which other load, kind of youngsters do you think maybe could head out or should head out on loan during this window? Well, I can't see Alfie Dorrington going out on loan now, especially with Ashley yep. Phillips uh, staying at the club. So whether it's Jude, Sunset Bell, uh, you'd imagine there's going to be interest in him uh, given his form this season. And he's at the age, I think, where he needs to be playing. Uh, I don't know who else in terms of the young players. But, I mean, the ones in terms of being involved in the squad, it's Donnelly and Dorrington. But like I said, I can't see Dorrington going now. Phillips has gone. Yeah, I think you're probably dipping into the under-21s, aren't you? The likes yeah. of Judas and St. Bell, um, Will Lancashire, Iago Santiago, probably. You know, if there's opportunities for them to head out, you do that. Obviously, Josh Keeley's gone out to Barnett on loan, which is a good loan for him. Um, yeah, you are. You're probably dipping into those under-21s. I'd be maybe wary of of anyone else probably going out just purely because of the awful injury record Spurs have had this season. Yeah, right. Since we're talking about the FA Cup, round four draw tonight, this evening, 7.50. Uh, it's ahead of Wigan's FA Cup third round clash against Manchester United. Who do you want in round four then, Ali? You know, I said this to you, I think it was last season as well. Love, I'd love Wrexham. I'd love it. I'm, I'm very much enjoying the documentary. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of halfway through season two at the moment, and uh, yeah, um, I, either away or home, I'd, I'd be happy with either. Um, I mean, who do you want? Uh, Maidstone, it'd be good because I mean, that's what the FA Cup's all about, isn't it? All the lower league teams getting the dream jar against the Premier League club probably won't be so keen on. Maged in the way, given they play on an artificial pitch. But looking at the other teams, maybe the winner of Newport or Eastleigh or Wrexham would be good. I agree with you. Maybe someone like Sheffield Wednesday uh, away. There's not a lot yeah. of lower league teams looking at it. It is literally just Premier League and Championship now. But I think for Spurs, you just want a home draw, a nice draw, ideally. Uh, but let's just wait and see who they come up against. It is worth pointing out, no one will want to face Spurs either. And that includes yeah. the likes of City and Liverpool who are in the draw as well. But we will discover Spurs' opponents at 7.50 this evening. Yeah. I mean, made, made so. <laughs> it would be amazing for the competition. But like, you know, you said to me earlier, away might be a little bit of a tricky one, especially for some of those Spurs hamstrings as well that are already a little bit uh, problematic. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I think we'll leave that there for today's podcast. I think we might be back later in the week. Hopefully the stuff will be happening on the transfer front. And obviously uh, there's the Manchester United game on Sunday as well. So as always, thank you for listening and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest. You can receive an extra four months for free. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box.